0: Well, hello once again. This is obviously a Wednesday. Wednesday means live stream day. I hope you are all well. hope you're having a good week uh, and have been creating some interesting things in code. Um, For anyone who doesn't know, uh, anyone new here, we've got a, a, a raft of new subscribers, uh, which is great. Welcome everyone. Get a seat, get comfortable. Um, My name is Peter Fisher. I'm a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Um, I've been a developer for uh, about 12 or so years. Before that, I was obviously studying programming and system design and so forth, six years. So I've been a coder for a while. Um, I'm a freelancer and these, and usually what happens is on a Tuesday, we do a a tutorial, um, where I will do a, a tutorial, which is part of a course. And at the moment we're doing Python and Python control structures. It's very beginner friendly. Um, and then after that, um, on the Wednesday, we have a live stream. It used to be web developers working a week and it kind of still is, although it's morphed into this sort of live stream. Uh, affair where um, I talk about what I've been getting up to on a weekly basis um, as a freelancer, but also talking about uh, the, um, the just general things in code. And then on the Friday, we have a, a pre-recorded sort of episode where I talk about um, just general things that I'm interested in in code. Last week, we did P, uh, the new or the, the possible new feature coming into, into PHP 7.4, which is the, um, typed properties in, uh, in PHP OOP. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just basically a way of me to, to talk about these new things and these challenges and just talk about coding and web development, uh, in general. So hello everyone. Um, like I said, I hope you're all doing fantastically well. Um. So this week has been, uh, or since last Wednesday to this Wednesday, um, I'm not going to lie, it has been a little bit uh, of a rough one in terms of freelance, and I'm not going to go into all of the ins and outs because that would be highly unprofessional, Uh, but what I'm going to do is just say that, um, well... There's a lot of, there's a lot of YouTubers who will talk about freelance and they'll dress it up in some sort of glossy type thing and they'll sell it to you as freelance is the way forward. It's the the thing to do. However, I'm not here to talk, I'm not here to sell you freelance. If you want to be a freelancer, then go for it. If you don't want to be a freelancer, that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to judge you either way. Um, but as a freelancer and as a Wednesday a show where I talk about freelance. Um, I, I want to be true to you guys. I don't want to just say it's all shiny and roses. So this week, um, it was a bit rough and it's, it, it basically, it, it, it kind of like, it's not, so you're not, not always, yes, you're, you're creating systems and you're creating uh, code that interacts with systems, but you're also having to deal with, um, uh, Personnel, you're dealing with people, and at the end of the day, they are the things that matter the most. Um, you know, the client and the client's needs, and so on and so forth. Um, so it it has been a little bit of a not a turbulent. T- it's just been a, it's just been a little bit awkward this week. Um, I'm not going to go into any kind of depth as to why, but let's just I just want to just kind of sort of not gloss over it and not say that freelance is fantastic because you do get these, um, bumps in the road, uh, from time to time. And I'll probably talk about it in a more of an abstract generic kind of way. I'll probably come up with some analogies as to these things, and I'll probably do that, uh, later down, down the road. Uh, but, um, it, it, I just want to kind of put a stake in the ground and say that it's not all fun and games. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's just move on from that. Cause, um because whatever. That that was only like literally about 2% of my week. So the rest of the week was um, working on Lambda scripts in AWS. And I have to say that the more I use AWS, and I've been using AWS in a lot of clients, but the more in bed the client is with AWS, the more, well, I kind of think, oh, this is like this. This is a bit of a concern, right? Because you um, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. But AWS is fantastic because it is it is itself its own ecosystem. And when they all the things in the ecosystem work really well, then you've got a fantastic system. Um, but I'm I'm always kind of looking at the alternatives um, because, because I don't want to be that typecast AWS um, freelancer because there are there are other things out there that can do what um, certain clients want to achieve um, in a far cheaper and more efficient way than AWS. But uh, one of the clients that I've got is, is highly involved in AWS. And um, so I've been working on a lot of Lambda scripts. And it's been fantastic because we've, we've managed to carve a huge portion of the, of a legacy application into uh, a series of Lambda scripts, which means that the responsibility of, of actually hosting that code is no longer a concern, um, which is, which, which is just one of many several benefits of, 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 uh, of Lambda. Um, and essentially, what you're doing, essentially what you are creating, is a um, an endpoint, an API endpoint, um, which is which is fantastic. And it kind of goes, kind of segues off a little bit into another thing that I want to talk about today, and that is clean code and getting your 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 code as clean as possible. And what is the what is the point of having clean code? What is the what is the deal here? Um, I've just had a notice saying that the video output is pretty low. So I do hope, uh, you're, you're seeing this okay, but we're going to talk about clean code later on, uh, in today's stream. Other things that I've been working on is uh, a lot of CSS using a lot of SAS, uh, which has been a very sort of, once you've done the SAS, once you've created SAS, it's very good because you can, um, uh you can configure it right you can you can change the variables and so forth the actual implementation of sas though it is just trying to wrap your head around um what the variables should be what your naming conventions should be that is quite a, a large piece of work however once you've done that and once you're comfortable with that once you have a script of things that you can you can like i said change the variables and then that has a lots of effects on um, on the CSS, then that is, that is extremely, extremely powerful. And it's one of those things that you have to do the legwork first, and then you've got yourself a very slick piece of CSS. Um, hey, uh, hey, Claudia, Cloudo, RDZ, hope you're well. Um, and so that was the CSS. I did a lot of Lambda. I've been doing all sorts of Docker stuff recently. Like today I did a, I wrote a script that will generate and deploy, uh, seven, seven, uh, there will be eight, uh, by next week containers from, uh, from a single script, which is fantastic. Um, and a, a, just a tremendous amounts of documentation writing, because the thing is when you're writing systems, building systems, and you're creating, um, uh, infrastructure, when you're creating ways of building systems, you need to document all of this stuff, because it isn't just you doing this, it's, it's the other people on the team, right? So th- there's been an awful lot of documentation. What I like doing is sort of like writing the documentation out as much as I can do, tear everything down, so remove everything, uninstall everything, and then work from scratch, because that way you can, f- you can identify the holes in the documentation. And there's been loads. There's been like, oh, I forgot that it's actually this version of Python um, that is needed to run npm. Like that was an issue I had um, earlier because I w- went from one laptop to another uh, machine, and I realised that one was a Python three point four and one was Python two point seven, and for some reason the the sharp I think it's called the sharp sharp is it sharp? It's the, an npm package just did not support um, the, the version of Python that I was running. So, you know, it's always good to, to, to tear down everything, run it on a different machine and there you go. But anyway, that's beside the point. So that is basically what I've been working on and I'll be continuing on that kind of devopsy type stuff, um, as well um there has been there has been an element of PHP code to this week not as much as I would have liked but there has there has been um, mostly API changes over the weekend however I have done uh, quite a bit of work with the how to codewell.net website so you could be watching this from there and if you are hello um that has a, a live section on there it also has previous live streams and as I've mentioned before, the, the, the the website was originally all static and a large portion of it is still static as in just raw HTML. And I'm in the process of sort of stripping it out making it more dynamic and and using other external services and so forth. Um, so that will slowly come, but it's one of those things where a lot of groundwork has happened, but not a lot of sort of you know, realistic sort of visual changes are apparent. So, and, and, and that is something that as a freelancer, it is uh, something that is constantly um, a battle that you have to sort of like say to the client, look, it's going to take a long time to actually build these things. But once the foundation work is done, then it's, it's, I I am able to create the features that you wish uh, more efficiently. So for example, um, the, the fact that we now have a grid of videos that will be, that piece of functionality is going to be used on other pages. I'm putting in a pagination, uh, widget or thing on, on that, and that will be used throughout the other pages. And it's written in a way that I can just sort of like call upon it in other pages. So once it's written, it's written. But actually writing those things from scratch, as in replacing the static HTML and actually making a system where it's making certain calls to different services and so forth, the actual legwork of doing that is—it is, takes a long time, and the problem I have with the HowToCodeWell.net site and just how to code well, this thing in general is that this isn't my full-time job. So I—I'm obviously the, a freelancer, and so this stuff that I do is—is is what I do in the spare time, and it's kind of like the stuff that is the. I've got lots of plans that I want to do with this, this channel, this website and so forth, but it is just a case of trying to fit it in with everything else and life. Um, it's not as quick to, uh, fruition as I would like, but Hey, it's one of those things. It will happen. I am my own client, so I know how much work I've done and how much work I need to do. Um, so that, that is good. So that, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, I should also say that the AWS S3 course, um, I have actually put that as a Udemy course, created that as a Udemy course and a, um, a Skillshare course. So if you're interested, the links are in the show notes below, uh, to, to pick those up. So if you're interested in learning AWS S3 on the command line, uh, then do check those out. Um, I'm going to be porting, um, the first few, um, Tutorials on YouTube, but then I won't be pushing the rest. So the rest will only be for Patreons, for um, Udemy, and for Skillshare. So do check that out if you're interested in AWS S3 command line. Um. Okay, I'm just going down my my notes here. Um. Let's just have a regroup. I'm just going to grab some. I'm drinking. I'm drinking Earl Grey. <laughs> I do like a bit of Earl Grey. So, clean code. Let's get on to that. Let's talk about clean code. Let's talk about why um, you need clean code. What is clean code? And by by the opposite of clean code, what is dirty code? Right? What is what is messy code? What is code that is just stinky, smelly code? What is that all about? Um, people say the cleaner your the code. The, the, the easier it is to work on. But, they, but knowing what is clean code and what isn't clean code is kind of a gray area um, to, to some. And it, I think it all comes down to experience. Knowing what makes something cleaner, makes something more efficient, makes something a little bit more performant. That is all the things that, that, that make up clean code. So you can write, you can write uh, code, you know, 101 ways they, you know, you could write something that in, in, in so many different ways that, that still do the same thing. However, the, the sort of the, the quality of the code is justified, is, is discovered when you come to maintain that code. Now, a lot of, well, So if you, if someone says, what do you do as a job? Often or not, programmers will say, I write code. But in actual fact, we hardly write code at all. If you were to look at, if you were to count how many characters of syntax you read compared to how many characters of syntax you write on a daily basis, I guarantee you that you're reading code more than you're writing code. And in fact, when you go ahead and write code and there's like an issue, a bug with that, you then reread the code that you've written, right? You also read things like log files. You also read output from uh, feedback loops, maybe it's uh, debuggers, all sorts of things. So you, you are reading more than you are writing. And it's just the way it is. So in fact, when we say we write code, we're actually doing a, 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 an in-service there. We're actually reading code and we're writing and maintaining and improving code. Um, so when you get into that headspace of you're reading more than you're writing, you want to ensure that your readings, whatever you read makes sense. Yeah. Because you, you it's like, if you imagine reading a book that just has no grammar in it whatsoever. If you, I mean, it could even be reading one of my tweets, for example, I'm dyslexic. So, you know, or one of my Facebook posts anyway. So if you're reading something that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, then how are you going to be able to maintain that or improve that? If someone says to you, right, um, could you finish my book? I have the last, say, three chapters to go, can you finish the book? So what you have to do is read the whole book to get a, a, a sense of the context, the sense of the background, the sense of the story, and then you're challenged to write the last three chapters of a book. Now, there could be like six, seven, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 chapters that you've already read before you get to that point. And if none of it makes sense, then it's going to be extremely challenging to actually do that justice. So we don't, we don't write code as much as we read code, in my opinion, which means that the code that we write must be readable, right? So it's all about how does, you know, the cleaner the code, the easier it is to read. Um, so basically once it's easy to read, it's then it's easier, it's easier to maintain And then when it's easier to maintain, it's then easier to improve. So it's the quality of the code allows you to make changes rapidly, allows you to maintain that. So that's basically what clean code in a nutshell kind of means. It It is the cleanliness of the code that allows you to do the improvements and the changes and the maintenance. But that doesn't answer what clean code actually looks like. That just says, yes, clean code is fantastic. And that is, that is the thing that we should be striving towards. Clean code is something that yes, is readable straight away, but it also means that it, it, it adheres to standards. It adheres to the principles that have been set out. So for example, um if you're looking at code that has been written by several people and the there's 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 uh curly braces on new lines there's curly braces on the end of the parentheses there is the the class names are called different things part of it is in camel case part of it isn't um file names are called completely different things. There basically is zero standardization, zero um, conformity across the board. That is messy code. Even though we're not necessarily talking about just code, it could be the file names it could be completely bonkers. It could be that the namespaces are completely wildly um, off. They Basically, when you're reading something, you want to know exactly what it is fast. You don't want to have to hunt around and discover. So if it's in a namespace, then that namespace needs to do it. Do whatever that is, justification. And that is, that is a problem because um, this is an extremely, tr- it's an art. Cle- making code clean is an art of programming because usually when you're learning something, you are literally going, you're looking at a book or you're looking at a tutorial or you're looking at a blog post and you are doing, you know, you're copying and pasting or you're writing the code line by line. And it's not, it's explaining what that is doing, but it's not explaining what you are doing as in you're trying to fit that, um that example into your into your world, into your into the feature that you're doing. And half the time it doesn't, you know, when you see things like my custom class, that kind of thing, and it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. If I was to take on a project and I found my custom class or my custom namespace or my custom service, and it's like, well, what does that actually mean? That is messy. That is not telling me exactly what I need to know straight away. Um, hi, uh, hi Vin, Vinod, uh, hope, hope you're well, hope you're good, doing well. I'm talking about clean code today, um, and also the other bits and pieces that I've been getting up to as a freelancer. I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of, as a being freelance, I'm, I have seen an awful lot of code from various projects, from various companies, from ver- various people. Um, and you can actually, most of it is legacy right? Most of it is legacy. Most of the time my, my clients are working on things that have been created for a a long, long time. And, um, it hasn't been updated or improved in a while, or they get me in as a resource to improve it, but not to perhaps, um, as in improve the feature, add features, but not necessarily to actually just clean up the code base. Because what client wants someone to clean up the code base? They want people to improve the the features, add features and so forth. And this is kind of where, you know, the refactoring goes in. It's sort of like trying to make things more succinct pieces of code. And I f- have found that the smaller I go in terms of writing code, the better. I'm not saying that that is a, a, a key rule here, But when I write things that have singular inputs, singular outputs that can be sort of written in a, maybe a sort of a slight abstract way where I'm not just thinking about what I'm trying to achieve there and then, but I'm also thinking about what this could do in amongst the whole system. So, um, the Unix philosophy is to write things nice and small and well that do one thing and do one thing well. And that really does stand out when you're reading code, because if you're reading a function and it's it's a nice small function that does one thing and does one thing extremely well, then you can chain that function to other functions. And it's the same with classes. If you've got a class that is doing whole host of different things, You know like a god class that's what they they call a god class a god class is a class that does so many different things then the the actual the actual code is completely obscure to what it what it should be doing because you can probably cut that that class down into small smaller classes lots of smaller classes and then you can you can use proper design principles proper design patterns to actually orchestrate your objects rather than having like just lots of mentally big classes that have huge amounts of functions and methods that don't actually mean anything to the class name itself. Um, doesn't or mean anything to the namespace that that class is in, is, is in. So cleaning code isn't necessarily just the code itself, the syntax, it's also the architecture, it's also the design of the software. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say that again, the cleaner the code, the easier to read, the easier to read, the easier to maintain, and the easier to maintain, the easier to improve, because as a freelancer, when I go in and I am asked to improve, as in add new features, if I'm looking at code that has, is just messy, which hasn't been architected very well, which just is um, is ugly. Then it's harder for me to then add to that because I have to work with the confines of a messy legacy system. However, if it was nicely written, if it was nicely documented, if it was completely obvious what I needed to do in order to add this feature, then it would be so much easier. And as, as a, as a freelancer, it's, it's, it's often a conversation that I have with a client because they, you know, they would, that they are interested in time and budget. And if it takes me longer to discover how I should be adding this feature to messy code, then it's obviously going to take the project longer. Therefore the budget is going to be impacted. So, so there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of educating the client, there's an educating those on the team that what we do on the system should never be rushed. We should never be rushed into creating messy code. And I never, it's not, it's not something where I kind of like, I point at a dev- developer and I say, you've created messy code because I, 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 I create messy code. Everyone creates messy code. Everyone has learnt code and in that time has created messy code, but without having the opportunity to tidy that up and the knowledge and the, the knowledge of what is the impact of that messy code, the, the, you're, you're not going to improve. And sometimes you see like, uh, agencies or freelancers, they get given a piece a project and they build it and then they go. And then another agency or another coder comes along and then works on that. And so they're having to to discover what that previous coder agency has done. And if it doesn't meet certain standards, certain conventions, um, then it's very awkward to, to build upon that. Uh, often a client would just assume that you can read code like that and just know exactly what you need to do. And half the time... We are investigating. We are trying to work out what it is that has already been done because what we don't want to do, of course, is we don't want to build something that has an impact, a, a, a disastrous impact on a feature that already exists. And this, go, this 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 is a saying where, you know, you take a project on and there's zero 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 unit tests or zero functional tests or API tests or what have you it kind of puts you in a very difficult position because you, um, you, you can't say for a hundred percent that your code is not going to impact someone else's code. And, And that's another point of making things nice and small and contained and confined, because then you know that you can just slot that in wherever it's needed. And it's not having to have this huge overarching impact It's not not using lots of classes from different places all at once. Um, And also configuration. So a lot of times we we forget about configuration. We forget about how clean we need to configure things because you can have messy configuration. You can have a zero documented configuration. Um, And so knowing the keys of the configuration, knowing that you need to change this to do that, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And it's very, and and one of the challenges we have as programmers is naming things. Naming things is actually an incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult task because that name needs to represent what that thing is doing. So it, you know, it's, uh, clean code is one of those things that, that, that comes with experience and it, it changes the, once you start writing cleaner code, you can develop quicker. And once you're developing quicker, then, you know, the world is your oyster really. Um, but it's knowing what to do before you do it. So one thing that, um, that I was told, uh, in fact, I went to PHP Serbia a couple of years ago and we were given these t-shirts, not this, I was actually given and maybe I was given this t-shirt, but we were given a t-shirt, um, that said, uh, first solve the problem and then write the code. So often people just dive in and write code willy nilly, and they'll put comments all over the place. Um, like, you know, Josh did this at this date, or, you know, change this from here, but don't put this running in production. Those crazy, stupid comments that just don't mean anything to a developer who's actually working on the code. Um, And a lot of the time is actually spent architecting on paper or on a whiteboard, coming up with a solution, thinking about the solution rather than diving straight in and writing the code. Because writing code means that you're kind of committing those ideas to to the screen. Um, And the more you can agree with yourself and other people that what you're writing is the correct thing to write, the less chance you're going to have to rewrite it later on. I mean, that, 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 that that to me makes, makes sense. Uh, Often if I don't know how to do something, I won't just hammer it out. I'll, I'll go for a walk and I'll think about it in my head. Um, and, and the solution will slowly come to me when my mind is on something completely different, but I wouldn't want to just suddenly dive straight in and write code because I need to think about it. And and maybe it's something that maybe it's a, a failing I have, but I, I, I can't, I, I know that I don't write code as quick as other people, but it's the thinking process. Thinking about the code before I write it is something that I've learned. Um, and it has, it just, it, you feel better when you write the code because you know, you've already gone through it in your head And it makes sense. You're not sort of discovering it. You're not sort of feeling your way through. Um, And um, when you're pushed for time, when you're rushing, you don't want to be feeling your way through. You want to have a plan and you want to be working through that plan. Hi, Lukey10. Hope you're well. Uh, Today we're talking about clean code and um, all the other stuff, freelancey stuff. I'm just going to grab another, another drink. Sorry. So that is that I do think that, 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 sorry, I do think that cleaning, having clean code is the best way of being a better developer. If you can show someone who's never seen your code before, if you can show them your code and they understand it straight away, they know exactly what it's doing. They know exactly what it's not doing. Then that is clean. That is a clean code. And it, it, you know, if you, and, and other developers will respect you for it because, and they'll want to work with you more. The first thing that clients will say to the team is, did you get on with this developer, this freelancer? And you know, the, 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 the there's, t- there's two outcomes there, either no or yes. And the no is either going to be due to your code or it's going to be due to your personality. What you want to do, if you've got a, 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 a bad personality is you damn well want to make sure that your code is clean <laughs> because they're not going to be wanting to work with you if they can't understand your code. Or if you, t- I mean, like, for example, um, one of the companies I worked for as a full-time developer, I worked for Fast Hosts uh, back in the day. Um, we're talking years and years ago, I was working on the control panel for Fast Hosts. And I always remember that there was um, a time where we were changing parts of, of, of a, a big portion of the code. Um, and we didn't go through the process of deciding the standards of the code that we should be writing. Um, and, and basically what we ended up doing is, is, is calling all the developers back. Um, and rightfully so, and then coming up with the standards because we discovered that, that, you know, when you've got, when you've got like 20, 30 or devs, or how, I can't remember how much it was, it might even be less than that. Um, working on something or working on the same thing, but different portions of that thing, if you don't have any kind of standards in terms of like coding standards here, I'm talking about the PSR stuff for PHP naming conventions, class conventions, all of that kind of stuff. Um, then it's going to be very awkward because when you bring everything together, you've now got a mishmash of different coding styles and there is different coding styles you can do. You can write code in so many different ways that all have the same output. And I was speaking to someone not so long ago, I think it was through, um, either Twitter or one of the comments, um, where I was saying that, that I found that writing code, um, was, was comfortable, more comfortable than perhaps, uh, designing graphics. Cause I was, I part of my university course was half graphics and half code. I loved the graphics. I loved the multimedia side of it but I could never, because it was so subjective, I didn't find that comfortable because I never knew when I should stop. However, when you're writing code, you know, when you've got a nice, nicely written piece of function or method that does exactly what it says on the tin. And of course, when you're writing a program, it either works or it doesn't work. So that, that, uh, it said that, uh, it was, it was off just refreshing this and I'll get back to, uh, Luki Ten's question. Apparently it's working. I don't know if if, uh, YouTube just came up with this weird, with weird error. I do, I do apologize. Anyway, Luki 10 said, does clean code mean modularity? It does in the sense that that is only one of, of many things that make up clean code. Yes, you need to have clean code. Sure. Uh, sorry. Yes. You need modularity. Um, but you can, you can, you can go over the top with modularity. You can make things too small and have lots of them. And then it's just a big cluttered mess. Right. Um, so and, and, and actually the smaller you go, the more you're going to have to call, which means that the output is actually the actual, the actual code that is calling all those small things is actually quite huge. Um, so you have to, you have to take kind of an educated stance on how small you want to go, how modular it is. Um, however, with, with the trends these days where you've got microservices, where you've got micro frameworks, where you've got Lambda stuff, which I was talking about earlier, um, everything is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, which means that you can then use those again and again and again, but in different ways. Um, on the, on the, in your system. I do apologize. The stream seems to be juttering about like, um, like strobe lighting. No, I do apologize. Uh, so yeah, it it, it does. It, modularity is a portion of clean code. However, it it's also how you write the code. So th- for example, having a variable that only has a single type associated to it. So this is where I'm talking about like for example if you if you're creating a function and the function returns an array right or let's just say a boolean so it returns a boolean fine and you're returning the value of 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 um of a variable which is called um uh shoes I don't know just made that up so it's returning of something that is called shoes okay and it's and it's returning a boolean well, that is messy. Why? Because shoes is plural. And so you would think it would be returning something that is more than one. So I would assume that that would be returning instead of a Boolean, an array or a collection or a tuple or something that has more than one value associated. Um, so, and also when you're returning say Booleans, then maybe write the function or the method in a way that explains that you are returning a Boolean. So this is having something that is like, instead of saying, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a function that re- that returns whether or not you have shoes, then return, then have the function called has shoes, because you either have, or you have not got shoes. So has shoes. Um, also things like active, okay So if you're returning whether or not something is active, then have a function called is active because is is either true or it's false. So it's, it's not just modularity, it's also how you go about actually writing the code. And you you are basically writing a book, basically that you are going to hand off to someone else to finish the chapters of. So you want to write it in a way that makes sense. So the variables need to be correct. They need to say exactly what the values are and how those values are, are typed. The functions should also tell you what is being returned. Um, and also the, vari- and the parentheses needs to tell you what the function requires in order to run. And also not mixing types. So, I mean, I know I'm talking a lot about typed languages and I know that there's an awful lot of untyped languages here, but it just makes code cleaner. If you are explaining yourself in the actual syntax that you're writing. So like one of the issues I've had with one of my legacy projects recently is that we had one method that was over 22 parentheses. So it went, you know, you, the, the, you had to really widen the IDE to actually see all of the parentheses in it and it was all jumbled. So you had ones that were default, right at the start and the ones that were required right at the end. And, and so you, you hacked to actually go through all of the, all of the parameters in order to actually get to the one right at the end that you wanted. So your calling code was messy. Because you are working on a messy thing, basically messy code breeds messy code unless you actually put um, put your put your foot down and say, "Look, this is this needs to be fixed before I even improve it." And this is, this is a stance that I've often taken because I I don't want my name associated to code that is messy. I don't want to have to um, and uh, yes, I've written an awful lot of messy code, but when I come across messy code, I want to fix it because it, it, it's not just, it's not, it's not just going to make my life easier, but it's going to make the client, um, uh, more appreciative of the features that I can add quicker when I'm working on cleaner, on a cleaner foundation. So, so yeah, modularity, the way the syntax is written to make sense. Also comments. And having comments in places that need comments, people go overkill with comments and it just just, just generates noise. So when, I mean, the comments that I've seen, some of the stupid comments that I've seen are people putting in their initials, right? Dating it and saying, don't do this in production. And then giving like, I don't know, at least 20, 20 blank lines of space before the actual function is. And then another 20 lines of space because they want to work on, on what they deem as a clean screen, right? So they make these things huge. There's no need for that. A, you should be doing things in source control, which means that you don't need to timestamp your code. You don't need to um, say who wrote that code. That is just what you've done. It's in the, everybody can see it. It's in source control, right? Other comments I've seen are the comments that you would, you would see in documentation where it's, it's, it's clearly copied and pasted from some book or some, some uh, stack overflow post or just something that um, like a cookbook somewhere on the, on the net. That just is complete noise because when you're when you're reading it, you really need to do so at a glance and, and understand exactly what it's doing and trying to achieve straight away. And if you're having to read a comment that was written, say, five years ago by someone who's probably just you know obviously far better a programmer now because they've had the experience, then it's just it is just you're just trudging through treacle. It's just noise. It's just and having huge amounts of spaces between. Functions, just because you don't want your function associated to the function t- above, it's just bonkers, <laughs> in my opinion. So yeah, I've I've seen all sorts of craziness, and I must say I have written all sorts of craziness. I mean, I I've been doing this game for a very very long time, and I remember when I started, um, I was making all sorts of mistakes. Everybody does, and that so that that is a point that I would like to just sort of rein home. You shouldn't ever look at a junior developer and shame them. You should never ever say that you are writing uh, messy code and you should be ashamed of writing messy code because you wrote messy code. You were there when you were learning to code. You're not doing anyone any help. There's no there's no um, uh, macho-ness in bringing someone down because you're having to deal with code that is messy. Um, the way you should be going about it is, is a, is an educational way. Um, uh, you know, that they write, they write code that is messy because they don't know any different. So it's your, uh, I'm not going to say it's your responsibility, but that is your opportunity to then say, this is messy code, but if you, you know, and so if you write it like this, I wouldn't use the word messy code, but you would say something like, if you write it like this, then it would be a little bit easier to read. Um, so Luki 10, this is a very good question. Uh, my friend, how can you improve in writing quality code if you don't have a senior developer? Wow. That, that is a very interesting uh, question. Bear with me, Mo. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so one thing I would suggest is try to, to be around as many people as possible. So try and have as many senior developers around you as possible. And really the, the, the cl- classification of senior developer and junior developer is very blurred because I know junior developers who who are in the classification of junior developers, but they are far senior than some of the senior developers that I know. It's only because they haven't got the confidence themselves to ask for that title, but truly what is in a name. So how do you go about writing code in a cleaner way, more quality code without having the support network? around you, I would go and say, try and, and, and look at courses that teach you clean code, try and learn through books and documentation, get books that show you design principles. There is a very good book by, um, by, uh, uncle Bob Martin about clean code. Um, so there are, there is things out there that you can read that will teach you how to actually do it. And it's not, it's not necessarily just doing it in practice, but it's also having, um, it's a different mindset. Cleaning up your code is a completely different mindset because, because if you write code and it just works, then you're just going to go on to the next project. Right. But it's, it's actually analyzing what you've written and, and it's, and it's thinking about what the project needs later on and is this function too much, too little? Is it not what's asked for it? If you are writing code, then really you should be writing code like there's a psychopath who's going to be looking after that code after you. Um, and he knows where you, where you live, you know, that, that, at the end of the day. Um, Luke Ten says, unfortunately I work remotely and I am the only programmer in the company. Well, hello. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> although 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 the the clients that i've got i work i do work with other programmers but it it's it's you you shouldn't see that as a a issue uh, a, a a barrier you shouldn't see that as something that is going to get in your way of improving yourself because if you wanted to improve the quality of your code and like i said there are ways of 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 doing self teaching. It's not going to be as fast as having a developer over your shoulder and, and taking a look at what you've done. It, it actually is quite a ball, a ballsy move, right? To actually say to someone, I've written this code. Can you suggest any improvements? And, and so, because there, there is, there is the element of, of, um, of fear. There is the element of being, um, shamed. But having that level of confidence is really, really good. And there are ways you could do this. You don't, I mean, it really depends on the company that you're working for. If you've signed any NDAs or anything where the company is not allowing you to to take the code away with you to show to other developers, but you could write uh, on forum posts uh, your code and ask for suggestions um, or, 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 something, but really you kind of need someone who needs to have an understanding of what that company is trying to achieve the, the features that you're trying to build. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it is a bit tricky, but it is, it is doable. Um, also go to conferences, go to meetups, talk to people about what it is that you're doing. Um, I've learned so much by just standing and listening to people, um, that don't work with me, but they work on projects and they have tackled problems that I similarly have tackled, right? Or they have been tacked, say like, for example, I went to PHP Southwest uh, not so long ago and someone there was talking about something and I found it interesting, but it wasn't what I was working on right now. It had absolutely nothing to do with what I was doing, but they suggested different tools and techniques that have helped me uh later down the line so it's it's sort of like just because you don't have anyone right now by your side doesn't mean that you can't go out and actually stand by someone if that makes sense so go to these meetups go to just be a part of the community um and there don't let people shut you down don't let people think don't don't let people treat you negatively um, shame you there is all sorts of people nasty issues with that where people will shame you because the code that you're writing isn't isn't fantastic, but they really need to understand and appreciate that, that they were at that position too, but it, it's just the way that they make themselves puff up and more superior, so, so there. So yes, clean code is a win. If you want to get, uh, be a better developer, if you want to write code in a way that is more maintainable, easier to read, easier to improve than work through the quality of your code and also do a lot of self-assessment. Also do a lot of, um, um, evaluation of where you are. What I like doing personally is I like, is I like giving myself three months to learn something or, um, or achieve something. So I will write down a list of things that I want to achieve every quarter in code. So I do this one for my business, two for the actual learning of, of, of technology, because technology moves so fast, you, you need to get on it, but also, um, and also with life and fitness and all of that jazz, but you can actually you can actually say, look, the code that I have created, say three months ago, I'm going to evaluate next in the next three months. And what I've learned in the following three months, I'm going to then apply to this. And so you're, you're looking upon it as a, uh, in an iterative manner. Um, like I said, a lot of times uh, when you go and develop code and it works, regardless of whether it's messy or whether it's clean, it works and then you, you can give it away. Now, I know for a fact that, that, that I might be coming across here as someone who writes clean code without even thinking about writing clean code. I know for a fact in say six months time, I'm going to be looking at the code that I've written today and going, why on earth did I do that? What, what, why, why did I do that? So I'm certainly not perfect whatsoever, but I like to go through that sort of iterative process, especially if I was working with a client for a long period of time, I would request a period of self-evaluation as in, let's look at what we've already created and see if we can improve it, see if we can actually trim off the fat and make it a little bit more efficient, effective, and so forth. And it takes it takes a bold developer to do that. And I, I I've... I've, um, I mentioned this in one of my talks, software complexities at PHP Southwest, that it's kind of like you've, you you, you kind of think that, um, you have a table and that table has many legs. And what you're trying to do is keep everything on the table, nice and upright whilst you're unscrewing one of the table legs and changing it with another table leg, um, without everything collapsing down and, and, and breaking. So here you're looking at the legacy code that you've written to see if you can improve it without breaking it. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, software development is an iterative process and you yourself need to iteratively go over your own, own work because if you are just take the mentality of, yes, it works and I'm just going to put it out there and forget about it. Um, then the next time you come back to it, say in, say in a few years time you'll be like, oh, I wish I went back to that earlier and and tidied that up because now I'm having to deal with all this mess. A lot of times I've done that. I mean, on my personal projects, I will say I would write something and I would give myself a set time to do that. I will put that live and I won't give myself enough time to review that later on. And so I often go on, say, like, if I was to go on holiday, I would often have an idea and go, oh, you know, I could, I could improve it like that. I then come back to something that I created, say a year ago with this new idea of how to improve it. But now I'm having to deal with a year old code base because it's like I haven't touched it in a while. And I'm having to re-remember what I've done. So what I like doing is giving myself a portion of time to re-evaluate what I've done before I go all gung ho and, and change everything as a freelancer, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of like there is, there is a huge element of discoverability and and investigation on what has currently already been, been put in place. And if you have unit tests and you run those and they fail, then that is a red flag because it's like the code doesn't, doesn't do what it says it should do already. So how are you going to improve it? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, And a lot, and it's not a case of just culling the the unit tests because they fail. It's a case of why do they fail? Um, And then sort of, sort of evaluating and investigating and going through that. Clean code. It's, it's something that we all have to do and it will come in time. It's something that will just, you'll just improve without knowing it it's not something that you just get clarity. It's not something like you don't wake up one morning and go, oh yeah, now I know how to write clean code. It's something that just comes and it comes over experience and it, it comes through the amount of projects that you've worked on. It comes through the amount of bugs that you've fixed, the amount of things that you've broken. Um, there was someone on Twitter earlier talking about confidence and how, conf- when do you feel confident as, as a programmer? well you don't you don't just wake up and go yes i'm confident it's it comes through time you don't realize you are confident when you're confident you just are um and you know one thing I would suggest is to break as much stuff as you possibly can do in a in a in a controlled environment and learn how to fix those things because then when you come to something that that you were working on later down the line, you then take those experiences with you. Um, and, uh, and everybody's a winner, right? But anyway, guys, it's coming up to the hour and I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everyone. I do appreciate the, uh, the, the questions. Thank you ever so much, Luke 10 and, uh, and Vinod and, uh, Claude RDZ. Thank you ever so much guys. Happy coding. I'll see you again, probably this time next week. Cheers. Bye.